I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I'm Johnny. And I'm Callum. Mm, not sure about that. I, well, I may have kidnapped Callum and put him in my basement, which I do not have. Although I think I have an attic, which I can't get to, and I think it's boarded up, because there is that little kind of slat in the roof. But that's neither here nor there. We're talk- here to talk about films, not Was it my... you that boarded it up? No, I didn't board it up. It just... It just came that's how the flat came but there is there is the thing where there is a panel if you look up there is a panel that was presumably at one point an attic and this is our roundabout way of telling you that we are recording remotely today through um and blame the british railways for that but i was starting to think of it because we very nearly postponed this episode and i was going to put out a social media post well i still think it may be postponed because i don't maybe rob at the time at this time of day to edit it i think that's oh, of course yes that's that is a bit unfair Unless but he's um, feeling very generous i was going to put out a post with uh trains planes and automobile gifts and stuff mm. but i still might if that's the case uh so that's something to look forward to in the past because when the by the point you'll be listening to this that will no longer be the present that will be the past Indeed. But no, I have been stuck the other side of the county as a train line broke, the, the track snapped or something. Oh, God. Yeah. So uh, they fixed it. I was the first train back over. I actually got back slightly earlier than I thought I was going to, which is handy. But hey ho. Hence hey why ho. we are recording now and not another day. Um, but yeah. Anyway, on with the show. Well, the show must go on. The show must go on. The show must go on. Inside my heart is breaking. Anyway, that. yes, we, we, no one came to hear us sing. Well, wow. came for the nitty gritty, indeed. And if they wanted some midweek nitty gritty when they haven't got our, one of our episodes to listen to, a new spanking one, where might they find some nitty gritty? They'll find the nitty gritty on Untitled Film Podcast, both on Instagram and Facebook. We put out a bunch of fun things, fun questions, fun stuff. And what about do... X, the new fancy X? Oh, well, I mean, we can only dream. We can only dream. 
but we're going to be dreaming for a lot longer because it's probably never going to be on X, which is just such a divorced man energy thing to do. But I did put out a post on not on X on uh, on uh, Instagram. I put out a question and I was asking for favorite movie parodies because today we are going to be reviewing uh, 12 Angry Men. And it always reminds me of this really great King of the Hill episode called Nine Pretty Darn Angry Men, where Hank Hill is arguing for why his lawnmower is great and why he doesn't want it upgraded to the next level of lawnmower. And all his friends think that the new lawnmower is really cool. It's such a King of the Hill thing. So, Johnny, you got any uh, favorite parodies in mind? It's not like a specific direct parody of a film, but I really, really, I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, love Walk Hard, uh, the Dewey Cox story. That's a good which one. Which is kind of like a just a general biopic. I suppose it's probably more than anything Walk the Line, but there's, it's, there's quite the a lot most, of But there. there's uh, a bunch of other things. There's odds and ends of every other film biopic here and there. I think I've said it before, I've got a big soft spot for that movie. So yeah, um, that's probably my favourite. But it's a good The one. Simpsons does lots. Like the Simpsons yeah, I was is... thinking of, uh, I'm almost immediately of a bunch of Simpsons ones, like where Maggie's holding, thinking that. holding a, a hammer up to a Homer and it does psycho. Dee, 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 mm. dee. Or The Raven, which yeah. is a poem. But Yes, yes, it's, it's a poem. That was one of their more ambitious ones. Yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff on there. Cape Fear. Yes, that whole episode, really. It's genius. So yeah, no, it's good. Uh, excellent. Uh, do we have any responses from? I'm afraid not. I think we may have had one that said um, uh, posted on reality, reality records. records. Good old reality records, always supporting us from the very beginning. I know you've got to love them with their many bots and their very unhelpful comments and their grammatically squiffy use of English. Anyway, on from that. Speaking of. I don't know how I was going to segue that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go, yeah, I was going to try and like segue into a piece of news, but it hasn't quite worked. Anyway, on to to the news. (laughs) So, um, Callum, what is your... Well, there really is only one big piece of news happened very recently, very shocking, is that Paul Rubens died. Um, Mm. Most people will know him as Pee Wee Herman. But of course, he was a a very prolific and celebrated actor. Uh, All of Twitter yesterday was mourning him, it seemed. And all of uh, Instagram. just the nicest guy. Like Conan O'Brien was just saying, like, on your birthday, like, everyone he knew would, if it was their birthday, would just get hundreds of memes from him and stuff. Everyone loves him. That's that's what I've gathered. I didn't see a bad word spoken about him. Everybody's, he was influential to everyone and everybody just adored him. I just, I, I suspect why, obviously he had some legal troubles at one point and I think it's probably why his career managed to sustain because people were like oh he's just being pulled in a way it kind of helped him because he was stuck doing Pee Wee Herman for yeah, the rest of his life off. shook that off and suddenly he was an actor who could you know show up in Blow and uh, Mystery Men and you know numerous other adult roles you know he could suddenly be an adult actor Exactly. So, in a way, kind of a backdoor good thing, but Although it's a very must, sad thing. He must have had some like reverence for for Pee Wee as well, because obviously he went back and did a kind of. Oh, he didn't hate Pee Wee by any means. It's just that that's all he could like. Once you become mm. known as being a 
children's entertainer you can only be a children's entertainer so it gave him to a, a sudden fork it wasn't uh it wasn't that it's it ended peewee well although it temporarily ended peewee it's just that he could do this thing as well well and he, yeah and that was sort of you know beneficial absolutely but no he will be missed by a lot of people it seems so a very sad loss yes very very sad very sad and what about you? You got me a bit of news? I have. So there was this little TV show a couple of years ago called Loki. Yes. And uh, it has a season two trailer out, which looks pretty good, I thought. I think so too. <laughs> and apparently it's the most watched, I don't know if it's Marvel Studios or Marvel TV, but it's like the most watched Marvel TV trailer ever. So oh, really? It's got oh, wow. Big, which Certainly is nice more than um, uh, what was the most recent one um, uh, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson that I everybody know, hates. Um, the really boring one. Um, yeah. With the scroll. Yes. I've forgotten his name. A Secret Invasion? I think That's it's Secret it. Invasion. Yeah. And everybody thinks so it's bad just Norseville. I feel so bad for Sam Jackson this one because he's had all this time. He's just been like a secondary player in all these films. I know, you know, I know he's had some like meaty-ish roles and they're like here's the tv series this is your big thing and it's an absolute stinker yeah i guess people realize is that the reason why he works as a supporting character is that he's can be in the background but once you you focus on people with guns and not superpowers and not colorful costumes you start to realize Jesus, this is fucking militaristic, boring old shite, isn't it? I think, in theory, I still think maybe they could have made it a lot better than it was. I think it just was meant to be poor. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's basically bad. not good. And again, people are speaking about CGI and stuff. There's been this one gif that keeps popping up of Amelia Clark growing like a super scroll kind of uh, a muscly arm, and it looks a bit wonky. Mm. Anyway, let's let's draw a line through that because that was not the news that I was wanting no. to talk about. Loki season two. Um, yeah, I thought the trailer looked really good. Yes, and uh, additional cast members. You've got uh, the guy from Everything Everywhere All at Once. He's very mm-hmm. funny. And um, the whole gang is back and they look like they're having a ball and a blast. And it does look like uh, the bromance of the century will continue. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. I like this gang. Me too. Excellent. Uh, we're just going to do one piece of news each this week because of the trains, the trains. Uh, and we will now slide into our movies of the week. And we've got two hip, new, modern, up-to-date movies this week, haven't we? Pam? Oh, yes, yes. We're, we're bang on the money. So the first one is from the very modern year of 2020. Do you remember COVID? Um, well, it was from that time. Um, I feel so like we went and saw it in the cinema. We did see it in the cinema. I think it was. It must be like one of the first cinemas films. were were opening back up. I think. I think. I think we saw that one with. Um, uh, we also saw the pickles, the Seth Rogen film, around that yeah. time. But and also, you know the the um, what's his name? Australian fat now. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell yeah, Crowe. That Russell Crowe film with him like driving around being crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was quite fun. I think that was the first film we saw out of lockdown and I, I felt think like it I was. enjoyed it. I, I remember anyway. quite enjoying it. But anyway, we're not reviewing that. We're reviewing <laughs> The Trial of the Chicago 7, um, which is uh, you know based on very real-life history, uh, late 60s, uh, trial kangaroo court sort of deal. And we're pairing that with 12 Angry Men. So we're doing a courtroom special today. 
Um, we were going to do um, a, 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 forget, a Time to Kill um, with Matthew McConaughey, but also Kevin Spacey and, bleh, you know, bleh. Uh, so n- not going to do that. Well, originally, originally we were going to do some Australian drama, yes, which I thought was 12. which I thought was a TV show, and then, oh, no, sorry, I thought it was a film and turned out to be a TV show. And I was like, Callum, I'm not watching a TV show. Yeah, Callum at this point to watch seven episodes. Yeah, I did. I Can might... you give me one a quick review of it? Uh, you've got okay. fifteen yeah, sure. seconds. Fifteen seconds. All right. <laughs> So if you want to see that, guys, it's on ITVX. <laughs> I think I saved Callum. Callum didn't even finish it. I think I saved him from himself. Yes, yes. Uh, Sam Neill's in it, but even he's a bit subdued. Anywho, um, yeah. So who wants to do... I don't mind. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Okay. Sure. Seven. sure, sure. Take a bash. It's the swinging 60s. Vietnam, the war is underway. And in the USA, there are some people that don't like this war. And they decide to go and tell their thoughts at the Democratic National Convention. Um, is it? Yeah, it's the convention. Anyway, that's where they choose the... Um, yes, it the, is. The... the the candidate to be president. Uh, the front runner had been up until very recently, uh, Robert F. Kennedy. And unfortunately he was assassinated. And I think many people would much rather of him, uh, than probably with him, we wouldn't have had president Nixon, but that's another story. Um, anyway, lots of youths go to, to make their voices heard. Um, and it turns into a little bit of a, a brawl. And they pick the people they think are the seven plus one, which will be more talked about at some point, I'm sure, in this review. Um, the seven plus one people who the government want to pin it on. And a court case ensues. Callum, what did you think? It's all right. Um, no, no, that's kind that's of... My uh... bit. That's my bit! You stole my <laughs> bit! <laughs> Oh no, you killed Callum. Um, no, it is. It's all right. Uh, and th- that's the biggest shame is that, you know, for such a fascinating story, uh, real life history, um, one of the biggest m- uh, miscarriages of justice uh, from that period, it should have been so much better. And it should have been so much better as well because the screenwriter is Aaron Sorkin. But the shame is uh, that the director is also Aaron Sorkin. And as we know, um, Aaron Sorkin is a great screenwriter, but what he's not considered is a great director. <laughs> and, Johnny, we stop waving in front of the camera. Sorry, everybody. This uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> behind the scenes. He's, he's doing things in front of the camera. And he's bothering me. But anyway, yes, uh, the direction is standard. It's very flat. It's very over the shoulder, broad lighting, um the right <laughs> the writing is good but because aaron sorkin is a man of indulgences he's often he needs someone to tell him like like a david fincher or someone to say you know what this bit's not working because there are bits where so the narrative structure they don't want it to get too boring so they tell it in a very fragmented way so abby hoffman who's one of the arrested men um very famous counterculture figure of the 1960s 
part of the narration is delivered through him doing like a stand-up routine in front of a bunch of uh, you know uh, uh, college students and they're all laughing some of it is done in the courtroom some of it is done in flashback some of it is done you know here there and everywhere and it's just a bit higgledy-piggledy it's not bad none of it's bad it's a very competently told story but for such an important story i found it quite nothingy and you know considering that you have counterculture a miscarriage of justice uh people from disparate uh youth groups and protest groups being collected and turned uh you know first demonized but then accidentally turned into martyrs um you know you have uh, the black panthers you have racial injustice or as we were mentioning he's the plus one he wasn't even you know he he came to chicago for four hours he wasn't even really supposed to be there he hasn't even met these guys until the indictment and eventually because he's not allowed legal representation because he's not part of the seven he gets literally bound and gagged in a very horrifying scene but this should land so much better and the fact is that it's all very okay it's it's fine but yeah that that is the biggest disappointment for me is that for something that should have been so much better with the right screenwriter the cast you got mark rylance you got sasha baron cohen got you know uh, joseph gordon levitt bunch of important very good actors franklin jello plays the judge who is a scenery chewing villain and even with a scenery chewing villain you'd think oh this is such a perfect movie and yet it still becomes a bit mid and that's the uh, the biggest sin is that for all the talents both in real life history and with on screen and off screen it should be so much better and the fact is it just isn't but johnny what do you think Yes, all right. Ah, i did it already <laughs> carry on I think that's it. That's the review. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's a mess, I think is how I would describe it. Um, There are thought... I think it tries to say too many things. I don't think it quite knows what it's trying to say. Um, There are some very good speeches that get a bit chubby hum at times. Um, Like you say, Frank Langella is a cartoonish villain, but I think probably too cartoonish for the story they're trying to tell. Um, for the ending, the camera pulls through the ceiling, like the end of like a, I don't know, a, a college rom-com or something. But he's like bashing his gavel on the table, like, oh, rah, bah, bah, ah, stop, ah, ah. And it's very much like, um, that would be like the 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 headmaster of the, college or the dean of the college going hey you kids i told you to stop fornicating on the floor ah it, it like it, 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 it it's almost like he's got i'm going to tell this really important story a massive injustice um about stitching these poor kids up who are just trying to do the right thing um and also bring a black panther in into it who had, who were, were also trying to stitch up at the time massively and um we're gonna make it almost feel like a bit of a college drama like a college comedy almost at times um and there's this whole thing so abby hoffman which is who's played by sasha Baron cohen like you you mentioned there's a bit where he's telling certain bits of it through like a stand-up show but the way that he the way that it's kind of like intersected in it, it almost like it almost, it's very lazy in that it kind of goes oh, i don't know how to tell this scene in a sensible way i know i'll just throw that in for a bit and then we'll forget about it for 45 minutes then i'll throw it in for another few minutes 
so it's just tonally all over the place and a mess. Having said that, there's some very good acting in there. There is some excellent parts of dialogue and it is an important story. But yeah, it, it could be infinitely better if, as you said, there was some discipline. If Aaron Sorkin had a script editor and a director who is a disciplined director directing it, I think it could have been infinitely better. Oh, it could have been so much better. I also think with ensemble casts, they often do this. They pick one member to be the sort of de facto lead mm. so if the, every cast member has say 15 minutes of screen time each they'll give one character 20 minutes just so that you have an anchor around which the film can sort of um be uh, logged to and they chose the wettest member of not only the real life group but also the cast because uh, tom hayden who was sort of the more sensible or kind of uh, presentable one of this counterculture group is, you know, he's a college student, he wears sensible cardigans and stuff, and he's the one that tries to respect the law a bit more, even while going, oh, you should stop, you know, Vietnam and that, oh, we don't like that. And he's a bit of a wet character, and I know that there's an arc and that he's supposed to learn to be a bit more... Uh, proactive but he's a bit wet also he's played by eddie redmayne who i've always found a bit of a wet actor he's all right but and you know i know he's won an oscar and stuff but i just i've always found him a bit drippy and uh, a tom hooper movie you are yeah exactly uh so anchoring the film to eddie redmayne and eddie redmayne's character it it's a shame because there's a lot more entertaining characters to his left and to his right and I think that's a, that's a, a bit of a, a misstep, I think. But that also, I know you, I, I kind of agree with you. And I think I was trying to think who you were going to say was the lead. But then they also give quite a lot of exposition to, to Sasha Brown Cohen's character. They so, do so at times, flick yes. back to him for a bit. So even it doesn't really even stick that landing. It doesn't go, we're going to tell it through the eyes of this person. Yes. It kind of just jumps around too it much. It like, does jump around a lot. And then those two people, there's this whole bit about these these two guys and they are both like, you know why you guys are here? It's so they can acquit two people like so that the jury don't feel like they're really mean and sending everyone to prison. And they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And that's literally their whole bit. And they literally, they they were like extra meat for the jury and extra meat. Like they add nothing to the film other than the fact they just have to have them there at the side of the screen. Like is, there is just some big screenwriting holes in this and their only existence is to tell one fairly good joke at the start yeah why are we even here oh it's like being nominated for an academy award just be thankful and uh, yeah no i can see this the academy awards of um of protesting and i'm just grateful to be nominated yeah 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 no it is it's all over the place. I mean, there are good scenes, there are good bits, mm. but it should have been so much better considering everything they had. And maybe a mini series would have worked for this, just considering how much they're, they're trying to tell. I think that is part of it. They're trying to tell a lot of story. Having said that, the fact that it is so surface does make it quite like an easy Sunday evening watch, yeah. which probably with something is this, this like important and darker, like, piece of information it probably shouldn't be an easy sunday evening watch but you know sometimes that is a nice place to be yeah yeah it's certainly not bad by any stretch it's watchable the dialogue is fun there it's just it's a disappointment considering how great aaron sorkin has been i mean i think we gave the social network kind of straight tens so it should be so much better considering mm. everything about it. And, and that, this what, often happens when you go, you're a really good screenwriter. You've written 10 really good screenplays. You know what? Why don't you direct the next screenplay? And then literally like 
Charlie Kaufman. Yes. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that always does Chris Nolan's cinematography. Uh, oh, um, gosh. Anyway, no, him. no, it's gone. But anyway, there's quite a few people. This quite often happens when they're like, and I don't want to say stick to your lane because obviously the amount of really actors who've Greta Gerwig, for example, who've mm-hmm. become really good directors. And there are lots of writers who've become good directors and they use the writing as a way to become directors. But it also, there's quite a lot out there who are really good writers and they're like, I just like to direct it my way. And actually maybe having a director cutting scenes out or having a director, you know, knowing the toolbox. It's quite a flat film as well. Like there's nothing at all visually interesting. It's, it, it almost could be a TV series. Like it doesn't, it's not shot in any particularly interesting ways. Is it? Uh, maybe a few bits of the walking down streets in Chicago, but other than that, like it's not particularly excitingly shot or anything. And, you know, I, yeah, I think they, it would have been better with a director that's not the writer. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I think that about wraps up our review of this. I think um, so too. And we will pause for the little advertisement break. And afterwards, we'll be back to talk about a real stinker of a movie. Oh, yeah. Real terrible movie next. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'd watch that movie for a dollar. Hey! I stole your line. I gave you that one. I didn't try to shout over you. Yeah, I changed it anyway. I know you, you twisted it. You're a maverick. You're you're a modern day Renaissance man. Anyway, Callum, tell us about our next movie. So the next before one, I, before I put it apart, <laughs> the next one, 1957, Sydney Lumet classic. One would probably argue, I think, but we'll see what we think. Twelve Angry Men, and this concerns um, a jury. They uh, adjourn to the um, the jury room to deliberate on the case of a young man who's been accused of killing his father in a heated argument. They ask, the the foreman goes around the room and and everybody says guilty. You know, you get 11 guilties and one man, you've got one holdout uh, played by Henry Henry Fonda. Fonda. Henry Fonda. um, One holdout who says innocent. And when people kind of berate him and say, why you think he's innocent? He says, well, it's not that I think he's innocent necessarily. It's just that we're deliberating about putting a man on death row. I just think that we should talk about it. It's just about reasonable doubt. And he's trying to be this reasonable guy, but everybody is more bullheaded than the other, especially the one character played by Lee Cobb. And throughout the narrative, 
it's set, the majority of which is set in this one room. It's just about Henry Fonda trying to go through all the holes in the prosecution's arguments and just put a little bit of doubt into everyone. And by one by one by one, he starts to needle through them. So, Johnny, what did you think of 12 Angry Men? I really didn't like it. <gasps> I think it's one of the most boring films I've ever seen. And what? all the acting is appalling. <laughs> I feel... I, I, you bet there better be a, a joke here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love it. It's great oh. film. How'd <laughs> uh, you go in for a second there? <laughs> We're larks and japes here, larks and japes. Um, no, it is, I would argue, a masterpiece. Um, it's probably the film I think that Henry Fonda is most remembered for. Um, certainly one of them uh, it's amongst like a group of uh, Grapes of Wrath and, uh, yeah, and grapes um, Once Upon a Time in America and things oh sorry Once Upon a Time in the West sorry I still I think it's probably more famous than that um, it's who was the director Sidney Sidney Lumet yeah again it's one of his most famous films probably his most famous but again um, an yeah, amazing director incredibly simple film in that it is 12 men in a room for two hours arguing with each other and in that way it's basically a bottle episode Mm -hmm. um but it is an acting tour de force um and it is so well thought out the characters the facial expressions the little ticks the watching how people are changing their mind the kind of the way every character is and kind of going like, I know that kind of person. I know that kind of person. I know that person. I know that, you know, and how they all react to these things. Um, and also how you as a, obviously one of the geniuses of it is normally in this kind of film, you would watch an hour long court case and then you'd watch an hour of them deliberating in a room together. And you'd from the court case would come up with your opinion on it you did not see a court case. You saw a shot of them walking out of the courtroom and the camera pulling over to a young man. Um, and that's all you saw of the case. And and the judge saying, you need to be sure you're sending this man to the electric chair that he is within, that you are sure that he is guilty within reason of the, uh, you know, within reasonable doubt. Um, and when you go in and they first start talking about it, you think, oh, this is open and shut case. Someone saw him do it. Someone heard him scream at the person, I'm going to kill you. You know, someone saw him buy a knife that was the exact kind of knife that seemed to have been used in the, in the stabbing. He said he was at a theater or the cinema when it happened. He can't remember who's in the film and what the film was. And then slowly this very reasonable man makes you think well could that person have seen that could that happen and one by one turns all of the jurors and yeah it's just a tour de force from start to finish no absolutely and i think you've said a lot of what i wanted to say because this is such a simple film there's in a way there's not a lot to talk about kind of uh, various details so i i did pick up a few behind the scenes tidbits because um that i found very interesting so this isn't actually the first version of a 12 of 12 angry men 
the screenwriter was a guy that uh, in the 50s and 60s and American television, they would have loads of TV shows that what in the UK would have been called Play for Today. And they had like loads of these various shows that were like um, each episode was like it was introduced by an, a narrator and then it was its own little play. So that's I think why. That's what kind of what... Um uh alfred hitchcock cut his teeth on wasn't it yes yes it was uh, there were loads of those and so um the screenwriter wrote a version of 12 angry men that came out on american television something like 1954 and apparently it's virtually the same the little kind of tweaks here and there just to make it a bit more cinematic but that's why it's so coiled and tight it's because it was meant for a tv budget with not henry fonda in the cast but just reasonable television actors and that's why the script is so tight and lacks any sort of you can't handle the truth courtroom scenes is because it was written for a format that couldn't afford to do that and sydney lume thought that the script was great and he just said yeah let's do this as written it's a great script you would just you know yeah and if we level up the actors then yeah, exactly it's gonna if, be a masterpiece if we give it to henry fonda and lee cobb then you've got nothing to worry about uh also uh, some direction because um uh sydney lumet was it was a great director but he was a great television director mm. and he'd done a couple of films i think at this point and he had to make little decisions because he is still in a room so the camera begins in the film above them and in wide angles to capture all of them and as the story goes on gets to eye level and then below eye level and the camera goes tighter and tighter and tighter on them in telephoto um uh, telescopic lenses to get tight on their faces and it just you don't know why it starts feeling so oppressive in the second half other than the temperatures uh, the temperature outside is rising and their mood is getting more angry but it does it starts to feel like you're trapped in there with them and it's just a very simple trick it's just a it's just changing of lenses and changing of camera angles but it really really makes things more pressured there is some just in general some some clever cinematography in it actually every time especially early on they show um Henry Fonda, they have that kind of like, almost like light his eyes up and it kind of looks like his face is glowing and it almost looks like he's quite angelic compared to all these other kind of crustier, grumpy old men. It's a TV trick. They, again, they use that a lot on women in Star Trek to make them look more beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then again, there's, uh, they do absolutely do that. There's more, it starts off with wider shots, then two shots, then one shots, then close ups of people's faces to see, you know, what they're thinking. But actually, there's, there's quite an important moment when everyone loses respect completely for one of the characters and they will start turning their back on him and the camera pulls up in a very smart way then and to just watch that scene unfold and to see everyone's body language in that scenario um is 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 so there are there are some little nice flares in there but effectively it is just 12 acting you know 12 very talented actors three or four acting greats you'd argue in there um just in a room and it's yeah it's exactly. very well done exactly um, yeah and uh, it's been done several times on stage, but I, I must imagine that that misses the point somewhat because a lot of why it works are those, you know, Sidney Lumet's um, kind of flair with the camera. The fact that he can use it in such a nimble and sort of graceful way, it really is very 
almost elfin like with it the way he jumps around from face to face to face and the yeah. editing is just it, it's such a coiled film it's not an ounce of fat on it it, it really does i was watching around. every single like moment you're oh um you're drawn in there's not like it's not one of those films where you find yourself for a couple of minutes just picking your phone up and starting and just check my messages there's none of that like you're in you're like sucked in and like you say there's not not a second that's wasted no not at all no it's it's a frankly it's a masterpiece it's it completely earned its reputation it's one of the great films and actually when it finished i found myself thinking I've got to pick up a, a lot more old movies. It's been a long time since I've seen some great films from from uh, filmmakers like this. I've got to find more of this. I was like, I've got. To, I need my fix, man. I need my fix. I need more Sidney Lumet. I need. I need more Henry Fonda. I, I, I need it. I just need it, man. Absolutely. But no, a great film. A great film. Yes. I think, unless you've got any more to add, I think that. No, could... I think that's me done. Excellent. So, on to the scores. And a roundup. Callum, what did you think of um, the trial of the Chicago 7? Very flawed, very flawed. Um, for such an important story, it feels very weightless and it feels disjointed and scattergun. And considering the talents there, it doesn't ever amount to more than some good scenes. And unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to give it a six. Fair enough. I think that's a fair score. Um, I'm going to give it a good old Chicago 7. I was kind of bumbling between 6 and 7. I do think there are a couple of performances that I really enjoy in it, particularly um, Sasha Baron Ignoring the dodgy Boston accent, um, Sasha Baron Cohen, I really enjoy in it. Um, And I do think if you trim the fat off, it could be pretty good movie um but it's, it's as it is it's just a bit so 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 yeah it's a it's a scrape seven yes yes very much a scrape and 12 angry men can we say? give it 12 <laughs> I, I was no. actually gonna make that joke ah really ruined it. <laughs> um no it's a 10 it's a, it's a it's just a it's a straight banger watch it it's on amazon watch it right now it's only on for a few more days as well, so I get you back there because I'm also going to give it a 10. It is just, like, perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And if it's only there for a few more days, by the time this episode comes out, if it is going to be delayed, which it won't be in while you're, the time you're listening to it, because you'll be listening to it, whatever, it might be gone. So find a way you can rent it. I'm sure you, you, know, you can download it, rent it, whatever. Find it and watch it. Indeed. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening this week. Thank you and- very much. Have a good week and we'll speak to you soon. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Which is just such a divorced man energy thing to do. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.